When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Conn. I'm delighted to be joined by record sports Michael Gannon. Nick, how's things? Not bad, not bad. How are we? I'm good, thanks. I've uh, enjoyed the international break with Scotland and that. You know, obviously a lot brighter than previous international breaks, but I'm happy club football's back. Well, it's quite nice to have international break, but there's not that much stress on the national team. We're not sitting kind of panicking and chewing our fingernails down to the, the knuckles. That's true. Um, so that was quite a pleasant experience. But I must admit, I'm, I'm quite glad that the, the proper football's back uh, this weekend. And it's going to be a really hectic spell right up to the new year. And I, I quite like that. Do you know what I mean? Get the, get the teeth into it um, for the next kind of 46 weeks. Uh, can I bring it on? It's, uh, it's a good good period coming up. So I think it's the last international break to what, March? A good, what, four months? Yeah, I don't think... I must admit, the international calendar is something that I think is a bit... I mean, I know it drives club managers up the pole. Um, I, mean, I remember I asked, I asked um, Ben and Rogers about it a few weeks ago. Um, well, all right, I maybe put the fishing rod out and I was dangling on the water. And I said, what do you think of the international calendar? And he just kind of smiled. And like, next, next, move on. Because <laughs> um, I think this is October, uh, well, September, October, November. All interruptions to the, to the season. Uh, I mean, obviously Celtic's last game, they won comfortably and they're looking to keep that momentum going. It's been broken up again. Um, the players injured on international duty in the past. I mean, Abada gets injured away in training with, with Israel. Um, it's, a, it's a fraught kind of fortnight for club managers. And it's a kind of frustrating period because you don't really get the first part of the season. I think it's a bit kind of a kilter. I mean, you don't have any I mean, you get breaks in June as well and players need to need a rest. And it's, um, I just think it's, it needs something looked at. I, mean, I like international football. It's got a big place in the game. But I think, it, especially that period from August to December, when you get Champions League, Europa League, league campaigns up and running, league cups and all that stuff, and then you chuck in three international um, get-togethers in there as well. It's a heavy workload for that period of time. When we get to the, the early part of the year, January, February, March, April, we start to get a bit... The weather starts getting better, we start to get less football. No. So I, I think it's something that might... I, mean, I know team, clubs won't want international breaks in April and all that stuff when the leagues are getting settled, so that's another tricky one. Listen, I... Good luck to anyone trying to sort it out because they haven't managed it yet. So who knows? Maybe one day they'll they'll figure a way to fit it all in without too much disruption. And of course, we're back now. Obviously, you mentioned that the, the kind of frantic period that will be ahead for Celtic. Um, obviously, starts with Motherwell this weekend, kind of culminates uh, with Rangers at the end of December. We'll come to that in a few minute, but obviously, with Celtic having not played in almost two weeks, the kind of the big talking point this week has been the, the, the club's AGM, which is is always a a fun outing. I, I've only been to, I went last year, I know you didn't go this year, but you're there normally most years. For fans listening, what is it like? What, I mean, what's, can you give us a wee snapshot into AGM day at Celtic? Yeah, I think I've been, I think I've been most years up to this year. I made to make it yesterday, but um, I've been most years. Um, they are, they're interesting. I think, listen, there's a bit of me that thinks that Celtic have put it all their own way on the pitch for this last kind of decade plus. I mean, it's been, 
I'm not saying it's been a canter, right? But it's been no far off it, right? They've hoovered up trophies left, right, and centre. They've been completely dominant. I mean, five trebles in seven years. I don't know. Sometimes maybe it means that there's not really that much to talk about on the pitch with Celtic, really. So I think people maybe find other things to get upset about sometimes. And it, so the, the Celtic AGM tends to be you get the first period, which is the kind of the kind of dull kind of thing. You get the whole kind of happy clap, and everything's great. Look how wonderful we all are. <laughs> and you vote all the guys back in again. There's a couple of hands that go up and say they don't want Dermot Desmond. Or, this year, no doubt, it'll be Peter Lowe. A couple of hands going up saying they're voting against them. But by and large, that bit's pretty but dull and kind of perfunctionary. Then you get the Q&A. The Q&A is where the real kind of meat and bones is. Um, and you get some really good, intelligent questions um, the, 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 to the manager, to the board. Um, and you get some pretty wacky ones as well. Um the joke is about the kind of the, the the standard of the pies and all that stuff. The questions usually I don't know if that happened yesterday. I think that was that one thing it wasn't didn't get the, the bingo card complete. Sure. Um, there's the usual kind of there's always a couple of little Sniders aimed across the city as well. And then there's a, there's a section of the support and shareholders that that, that aren't that seem to want Rangers buried six feet under. I mean, just dominating them for ten years isn't quite enough. It's like um. It's like the old kind of the old kind of Simpsons kind of gag, isn't it? But I think the horse is dead. You got it, um, but they're not content. They want them even more destroyed. I don't know. Um, uh, and you get the odd little kind of joke from the top table headed across the city as well. It's always going down well with the, the punters. But by and large, I mean there's a there's a slight disconnect. I think in some support between, between some sections of support and the board. I think that's that's clear. Um, it's been clear for a long time whether it was certain political figures on the board that they didn't particularly like, um, whether it's the party they're involved with or their policies with our party. We've seen that over the years causing a problem. Um, there's an issue over money where it's spent. Having two, this is the thing in Celtic is the diamond shoes are too tight. They're arguing about not, not enough money spent because they've got too much money. Yeah. Uh, there's that aspect of it. But there is a, a wee bit of a feeling that maybe the board takes some of the fans for granted at times. Um, and then there's this big disconnect in terms of a section of the sport. We also know the, the Green Brigade troubles in, in recent months, um, which has got, I'm not saying it's split the support, but it's definitely causing an issue between the board and certain sections of the support. So there's plenty going on, none of it involving kicking a ball at the field, apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, that was that was obviously yesterday. We might as well tackle it head on that the stuff uh, about the Green Brigade was kind of brought up. Several times, as you can imagine, people, some shareholders saying they want them banned completely. Others saying, uh, you know, kind of sticking up for them. Representative from the Celtic Trust was kind of backing them emphatically. It's a difficult one. I actually have sympathy for the Celtic board because I don't, I don't really know how how you can handle it from here. I don't know what else they can they can really do. I mean, another fine yesterday relating to the I think it was the Athletic Madrid game at home. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's a really tough spot for the for the board. I think. I think so. Um, it, it's a difficult one. Listen, they, they, they brought in this this standing section. It's the first one in Britain, and it's been by and large a, a huge success. I think a lot of clubs in the country are envious of it, and I think a lot of clubs in England are looked at it and they're, they're desperate to get involved as well. Um, but it's come along with some baggage, and I think you've got to separate some of the some of the details as well. In terms of the, the political stuff, I know that, that Celtic have been kind of embarrassed a wee bit by some of the political messaging, some of the stuff that goes on in there. Listen, personally, 
I can't understand why you want to use that as a platform for, for, for politics. You can go to George Square if you want to do that kind of stuff. I mean, I must admit, I think going to football and watching a football was, is more than enough, I think, for somebody like myself. I don't particularly get it, but also I understand there's a right to do it. If they want to do it, fair enough. And I don't think, and if it's a legitimate political message, I don't think people can complain too much or they should get too uptight about that kind of thing because it's everyone's right to do it. We've got free speech in this country. Uh, I know UEFA don't like it, but to be honest with you, UEFA can go and do one because they can't they can't take any high ground on anything, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, uh, some of the behaviour at UEFA, they can't, they listen, forget it. I mean, like, I mean, they keep dishing out fines, right? It's a way of making money. It's a tax, basically, for them. Anytime a flares lit or, or a banner goes up, they collect money. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really taking any lectures from from UEFA about morals, um, but you've got to take that. So that part, I don't, I don't personally don't think it's much a place for it. But if it's going to be there, then I think fair enough. Let them, let them do that. That's fine, right? Other, the other aspect is there's certain behaviours of slightly entitled behaviour, and I've seen it away games. I've seen it at Parkhead. There is guys that are misbehaving, and it's I've seen it certainly at away games. Trying to force their way through turnstiles and clogging up aisles, causing hassle, um, and I think that's the kind of thing. I mean, I mean, Celtic mentioned breaking. I mean, breaking into Parkhead to put up banners and all that stuff, forcing their way past stewards and that kind of stuff isn't. Like, listen, it's supposed to be a, an environment you may be able to take your family to and all that stuff, and I, I don't think that. I think you've got to be careful. Listen, it's, I, I also I'm, I'm wary of jumping on this kind of wagging my finger behaviour, right? Because I, I grew up in, you know, I'm older than you, right? I grew up in the 80s, right? And going to the game in the 80s was a different ball game, right? <laughs> um, and I'm not particularly, not so much games that, like, well, I grew up in Glasgow, and I remember, I remember getting warned, maybe, maybe late late 80s, early 90s, I was in, in, in town. I mean, teams like Aberdeen and Hibs had, had branches of casuals that you there in Glasgow. You had to be, had to be careful. It was a war zone. Um, so I, I don't think we're not we're not throwing golf balls with nails in it anymore. Um, so the behaviour in, in this grand scheme of things compared to the seventies, eighties, I think is is, is is different gravy now. It's I mean these these kids having to get a look in compared to back back then. Um, thankfully, but I still think they have to be have to be careful that it's. Football's changed. It's not that environment. It's not carryouts in the bags and all that stuff and throwing cans of beer and all that stuff. It's a family environment. People go with their uh, women, women and kids and all that stuff that are going to the game. And it's 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 the environment. It's, it's changed and it, it's rightly changed. And I think we can't be going back to kind of people feeling intimidated going to the game of football mm-hmm. or or staff feeling intimidated going to their work. I mean, guys, stewards on on buttons getting threatened and abused and all that stuff. It can't happen. Mm-hmm. So I just think. Hopefully they resolve it. I mean, these guys do bring a good atmosphere, um, but they maybe need their wings clipped a wee bit because I think what they need to do is they need to self-police because what's, hap- what's happening, I think, is that, see, the political stuff, they want to take that political high ground, as I say, fair enough, but that political high ground has been undermined by antisocial behaviour. So if you're going to have a banner saying um, about, about Israel, fine, but don't have guys... Turning up and storming turnstiles and 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 drinking and causing hassle and abusing stewards and all that stuff because that undermines it. Mm-hmm. So if one of that message, fine, take the high ground, but self police and make sure the young team are behaving themselves. That's that's what I think. I mean, if they want to take the battle on the political stuff, they fight that all day, and I think I think they've got right to do that. But you can't also have that and the misbehaviour around the sides, and then you bring it all that stuff, being the flares and all that stuff. I know there's an argument that. 
that pyros can be used safely and all that stuff. But you know what? See, until it's viewed as safely across the board, it's not allowed. Mm-hmm. So we need to chuck it um, and all that kind of carry on. So, yeah, I, I hope there's some kind of resolution. I don't know how it's going to come about, but I think there has to be a level of self-policing amongst fans. That, um, if the young team are misbehaving, they need, they need to clamp it because it's undermining their stance. See, just going back to what you were saying quickly about the the kind of political messaging, I had this debate with a, a family member of mine who sits in that section quite a lot um, and, you know, loves it and is, is right, you know, is right into it and all that. And I, I was saying, look, I, like you kind of mentioned, I don't want to go to the football and I want to watch football. I don't really want to go and have a debate about politics and I don't really... And he, he I think, quite rightly countered with, but look, Celtic's a club that stands for something. We want, you know, it doesn't, it's more than a football club. And I thought, right, okay, I respect that. But where I think I and I think a lot of fans have a problem is when the Green Brigade or whoever they unfurl these banners and it's as if they speak for the whole Celtic support. And then it gives people like, you know, the Israel boss having a goal last week and stuff like that. And it just, I can see where the board's coming from. They, you know, they, I don't know. It just leaves me un, uneasy when it's put across like it's the, the full Celtic support, if you know what I mean. No, certainly not. And I remember, I remember a few years ago, um, the banner, the, the, the No Bloodstained Poppy banner at, um, at Remembrance Sunday. And I, I actually found that a wee bit distasteful as well because there's, there's, there's guys across the country, and it's Celtic fans, by the way, who would have been, oh, the old boy section and all that stuff, who would have been fighting in wars and all that stuff, lost pals and all that stuff mm-hmm. and that. And that you can't, it's not, it's more nuanced than just right and wrong, black and white. And you, so, I mean, that would have been upsetting for a lot of the old boys, I think, at that point. Now, there's, there is definitely a section that's a, a large, Part of the support, they're fed up with it and just want to go to the game, enjoy the football. Um, but unfortunately, it's this kind of slightly un, unseemly civil war is, is getting in the way, um, and it's detracting from the kind of the football itself. I mean, there's a lot going on in the pitch as well. Um, yeah, so I, listen, I don't, you can't you can't tell people what to think politically. I, I could do without some of the student politics, right enough. I mean, it's um, there's more nuance in the world than all mm-hmm. that. Um, but listen, that fans they want to do everybody's got to, as I say, everyone's gonna take to say what they like. But I do I do I think you said I hope they get it sorted because atmosphere wise they're brilliant. You know, they can really light up the stadium at times, so I really hope there is some kind of um, I don't I see the lot of stuff I don't get as well. I don't know what you think, right? See this see this culture now with the, the pyros and the TVOs, they call them TVOs, TIFOs. See, I show my age, right? See all that stuff, right? I don't see the point yet. I don't get the pyro thing at all. I don't. No, don't get, I don't even get any of it. I don't get the TV stuff either. Do you know what it is? It's this Instagram generation, right? Because you're in the, you're in that section holding a big flare, right? Or holding a TV, right? You're not seeing it, right? So who's it for? It's for Instagram, right? It's just this another one, this social media world, right? It's look at us. Look at our talent and all that stuff. You can't even see it at the game. He's peace. Go to the game and sing a sing song, watch a football. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you with the pyro. Who's, who's it for? Who's it actually for? It's for the internet. It's for social media. It's for it's for Instagram, or TikToks, and all that. Look at us. By the way, it's not just Celtic. All in the whole world, right? All these boring Insta folk want to put big displays up and all that stuff. I mean, has it ever been a football player watching the pitch and sees five thousand bits of tinfoil and went, "Whoa, we're in trouble today, boys. We're in trouble. We'll get five thousand bits of tinfoil. Give me a break." I mean, oh, smoke bombs here. Oh, how are we going to defend a corner kick for a smoke bomb? Give me a break. Instagram nonsense. Well, elsewhere at the Celtic AGM. Oh, old man, an old man writing in the sky here. Victor Mildred in this week's oh, Celtic. I mean, maybe I'm just too old for this kind of stuff. It's, maybe it's not for me, but I can't bother it. 
Um, aye, well, elsewhere, I mean, we'll talk, let's obviously move back onto the football a wee bit. Um, Brendan Rodgers was obviously asked a lot about the January transfer plans, but it was heartening to hear him say that A, none of the signs will be pushed to him if he makes the final decision, and B, Mike Nicholson saying there will be investment in January. Um, aye, I think that's it, Ian B, sorry. <laughs> so it would appear that there's players incoming in the, the winter transfer window. Big talk of a striker, which I would have thought, you know, must be really high on the agenda given the Asia Cup with... With Kyle only three games. Is it only three games? Oh, potentially. That's if they, these teams get to the latter stages, which they might do. But you're only missing. They're only going to miss it. Well, maybe four because they might get another game at the end of it. And then who would you play through the middle? Who would you? So if it was away, Kyle was away. I don't know. Would you oh. do a makeshift? Make I don't know. There's a there's a, a problem in that that short period. But you're not going to go and spend nine million pounds <laughs> a striker for four games when you get Kyle, who's the best player, one of the best players in the country. Um, and oh, who you think is going to be a big prospect? And he's, they can't, there's no point in, in bumping him to the third choice. Um, so they bring in somebody on loan, maybe. Um, loan strikers in January, very, very difficult. You're not going to get a loan striker that's anywhere in any form. Because um, strikers are gold dust at the best times. You're not going to get a, a guy on loan who's not played much. Um, so it's a tricky one. For, I think it's, a, it's an awkward one. Um, there will be signings in January. They'll, they'll bring in two or three. Um, there'll be a lot going out. I think that's that's clear um, from what Brendan Rodgers is saying. There'll be a lot of leaving. A lot of these fringe guys. I think the squad's about 31, 32, which is too bloated. And it's too bloated with guys that are never going to get a game. Um, so there'll be a lot. I think there'll be a few guys on their way. Uh, and two or three will come in. Uh, striker, yeah. But it's awkward. Do you go and spend three or four or five million pounds on a striker that's going to be Kyogo's backup and then jump ahead of O in the queue? Hmm. I don't know. Three or four games. Um, I'm not entirely sure. It's um, it's a tricky one for, for them. Um, I mean, you say go and get a relatively, a relatively cheap, cheap striker. But where where do you get a cheap striker that's going to do the job? I mean, people chuck in names like like Lauren Shank. Lauren Shank costs three or four million quid. Are you saying that? I mean, Lauren Shank going to come and play three or four games then on the bench for us this season? I mean, he's got uh, the Euros coming up in the summer. Yeah, I thought so. Um, so, uh, it's an awkward... Strikers are always a tricky market. It's a really difficult market to get a striker. Everybody wants a striker. Um, and so they go, I want a backup striker that can score 15 goals a season. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> no. that's, that's the golden ticket. Yeah. That's Jack Amakis, if only he'd stayed. Well, yeah. I, okay, I think that was a mistake. I think that was a mistake selling them, but... Um, He's long. He's gone now, so we don't actually can do about it. But I think that was a slight, a slight misstep. I, but, um, I, I think uh, another kind of striker that or forward that was mentioned at the AGM yesterday was Jota. He was brought up a couple of times by shareholders, and um, one asking Brendan Rodgers any chance of bringing him back in loan, given how his move to Saudi's been well bizarre to say the least. What's happened out there? But Brendan Rodgers, I don't know what you think. Kind of struck me as a wee bit kind of mischievously saying, "I'll ask Mike Nicholson." I don't know if that means it's seriously on the cards, if there's a chance of it, or if he was maybe playing to the galleries a wee bit. Uh, a, bit a bit of all that stuff, yeah. I mean, listen, if, it, if an option came up to get him back in, I'm sure he would absolutely jump at the chance. How that comes about, when he's on that kind of that kind of um, wage deal out there, I, I have no idea. What was he making? Two, 200 grand or something like that a week? So, I, I mean, who knows? That's that's the kind of figure that we've been told that's, that's in that ballpark, 180 grand a week or something ridiculous. Um 
I can only think is that, I mean, the removal's not really worked out. Not it hasn't worked out for him at all. Um, I can understand why he, he took the move because that kind of money, it's life changing for everybody for generational life changing. Um, I don't know if he gets to a situation where they maybe they buy him out for not maybe, maybe not the whole contract. They may give him a big a big wedge of money. There's there's five million quid. Might shake his hand. Um, at that point, he's he can go where he likes it. But um, I wouldn't. It actually wouldn't surprise me to see him back in a, a Celtic shop. Um, I think there's a lot of hoops that need to be jumped through to get to that stage, uh, and it's I, I, I accept that it's unlikely. But there's a bit of me thinking. I don't know. Um, especially after his experience out there. I mean, I, I mean, going there, not getting a game, his, his appearance in front of 800 fans and all that stuff. All right, you can sit in your your, your palace. Your um, what is it? What is it? The old Shakespearean line. We all laugh at gilded butterflies and all that. Um, but I don't know. I think it's hard. To, it's a difficult one. I don't, I, I maybe not see it straight away. But at some point, I wouldn't be surprised to see him back. I, I kind of. I was going to say as well. I can kind of see it. I feel like it. Um, there'll obviously be other clubs say it comes available there'll be other clubs in there as well but I definitely and again I know I sound dead naive but I do think he had a bond with Celtic I do think he liked being here I do think he felt an affiliation with the fans um, so I yeah. Yeah. He, he's another one he liked his Instagram didn't he ah, exactly exactly. <laughs> he's the Glasgow's own photographer and all that stuff I mean it would be it would be an amazing bit of business if Celtic could sell him for that money and get him back in line that would be remarkable, but, but who knows, yeah. I guess. Is there anyone else just in January, you think? Is there anyone screaming out, really? Celtic need to improve? It's a hard window to build. It's a hard window to build for the for the future, isn't it? Um, I still think Celtic could probably do with strengthening the full-back areas. But these are all, these are all big. I, mean, I don't think in the short term, I think they're okay and they could do it. But they could add another attacker, another, maybe another striker at some point. I think I... I think another central midfield player, a bit of muscle, maybe I've been seeing that for a while, would be, wouldn't go amiss. Um, I still think the centre-half issues not quite resolved yet. I mean, they've brought in Lager, Bielka and Naroki. As yet, they seem to two of them seem to have gone off a cliff, back back fit and no, no sign on in recent weeks, which suggests that maybe not, that's not working out. Um, obviously, Liam Scales has been a revelation. In there and he's holding that jersey down. Um, but I still think I mean Kobayashi will be away in January somewhere, maybe on loan if he can get, if he can get a permanent deal. Um you see Welsh in there who is a, a good lad to have his backup, um, especially with a homegrown player with the European list and all that stuff. But I still think finding out what this, the long term future is for Lagabielka and Naroki, if it's not going to be working, maybe have a look at that and centre half has to be I looked at it again. I don't know. Um, I don't think it's an immediate problem. So I've got, I've got a million now. They're all fit. We've got plenty of options. Um, but I'm thinking more long-term planning, i.e. European football next season. Mm-hmm. Um, an ideal world, you start building in January for that. Um, although without the qualifiers, there's a, a, slight, a slightly less panic about that situation, but building for the for the summer. In the olden days, with the July qualifiers, you Best having guys in January to get them bedded in for that period. I still think it would be beneficial, but it's not absolutely imperative now. Um, so they don't need that much. I mean, it, I mean, it doesn't help having I mean, injury problems. I mean, Maida will be back. Abada, you think, coming back around about Christmas. Hatati, I think, we're not going to see till February, March. So that's a big loss. So that's another area maybe they could look at. 
So yeah, there's there's there's, there's issues in say full back positions. So there is, I think they'll be looking for for two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it'll be five or six and all that stuff. But there'll be five or six going and maybe two or three coming in. And at the weekend, Motherwell, as we said, um, back in the Premiership at home at Celtic Park. I think it's a Saturday game. And of course, next week, Lazio in the Olympico in Rome. Uh, and obviously, you're not going next week. Have you been by any chance before to the, to the I, I was there in 2019. Uh, Neil Lennon season when they won the last minute. What was that like? That must have been some night. It was, it was, it was a great European night. It was a, one of those incredible European nights. I mean, uh, last minute winner in Olympic Stadium. Um, incredible um, amphitheatre. I mean, fabulous city, obviously. Um, that was that was a, a memorable memorable one, right enough. Um, the drama, the, the late goal, uh, Olivia and Cham racing through. It's like slow motion, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and scoring. Um, and the Celtic fans were locked in for about an hour after the game, and they just they were just singing their hearts out for an hour, solid. Um, but no, that was that was one of the, the great the great European nights for, for Celtic. They're probably not one of them. Uh, this week, um, I was going to say fans would fans would fight a village to get that that result again. On well, uh, it's not not the handoff for it. I mean, also, I don't think it's beyond them. I think it's been a tricky campaign for Celtic. They've been hampered by some injuries to key men, which which, which was a problem at the start. I mean, things have gone against them. I mean, they end up the other night, uh, the last game in, in Madrid. I mean, kind of falling apart a wee bit in the second half. Um, you look at the guys in the pitch that were, were clearly not at that level yet uh, and struggling, uh, especially with 10 men. Going to 10 men was, was harsh. Um, but you still, you can still grind it and make it awkward with 10 men, but it didn't really do that in the second half. They just kind of fell apart. I think they got a lot of plaudits for the first couple of games, rightly so, but put some good stuff. Unlucky not to cover results. Uh, get, oh, the backlash came against Atletico. I think that the want to whether or not qualifications or even third place is, is, is up for grabs. I'm, I'm doubting much uh, these days, but I think they could do against some credibility back, get some points on the board, get some money in the bank for the points on the board, and use these games as a kind of learning experience for 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 future for these guys, younger players in the squad. Um, but it, it just getting a bit of I say a bit of credibility back as well. Um, I don't think it's past them. The teams are out evenly matched at Parkhead. Uh, last year, a great good side. But um, they were quite even, I think, so they let them off a hook a bit. Last year's about 10th in the league. They only won five of the 12 league games. They're not having a great season. And no, uh, you're right in saying they're obviously a quality team with quality players. But yeah. as you, you mentioned, Celtic Park, there wasn't anything in it. When Palmer scores that goal, it was disallowed. It looked like Celtic had won it. Well, the second half, Celtic were, were, were way in top, were dominated the second half. Um, but again, the, Naivety that's towards the end, a bit of quality, a bit of naivety cost them, and that's that's where Celtic's been punished this campaign in key moments of a wee bit of kind of naivety that's 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 really been damaging. Um, I think the second half of Madrid maybe have to take that out, out the equation. Um, that was just a, a major malfunction at all levels. Um, so they'll need to be at it 100% for the 90 odd minutes again. Um, but they'll be competitive, they'll be in the game. Um, they'll have chances. It's about keeping them out. That's no, that's no problem. It's it's um, they will create problems for opposition, uh, and you find some even get a goal, but they need to be on it defensively, which has been the downfall. Well, I think it'll be a belter. Whatever happens, uh, it certainly won't be boring. Uh, Mick, I think more brings us to the end of this week's 
Ricky, I'm going to get my pictures for Instagram. Grumpy old man, right in here. <laughs> uh, Mick, as always, it's a pleasure, and thanks very much for listening.